What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. Um, so we definitely have some things to discuss this week. Um, and so Hunter is here, and we are going to talk about what went wrong with Matt Wells' tenure at Texas Tech and then answer some questions about the future and candidates and all that good stuff. So here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. They're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts can help find the best mortgage solution for you. They can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. They have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process online, and it's easy, and and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. They can be reached at prmiraider at primeres.com, through the website at www.lendingwithpassion.com, or by phone at 214-736-9466. So get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. All right, so we've got a, uh, you know, maybe a little to talk about here with Hunter. I think we were, I think it's fair to say that we were both pretty shocked on Monday. Yeah, I was surprised for sure. I mean, I mean obviously, we're talking about the the Wells firing. If you're listening to this podcast, you know what we're talking about. But you know, you and I had been texting about, you know, the results of the Kansas State game. Obviously, it mattered, but would it ultimately be the you know the line in the sand? Basically, like if you if you lose this game, it's over. And even if it would have been over, you know, even if it would have been over, I don't think either one of us expected it to actually be done. The firing to actually happen, you know, before the bye week at the very earliest. Yeah, I agree, and it is it's unprecedented. Because they, I, I looked, the only guys you can find fired midseason with a winning record, either refused to get a vaccine or were drunk on the job. So we're talking about Rolovich at Washington State or Sarkisian at uh, USC, yeah, and then yeah. Lane Kiffin at USC. And I can't really remember like what led to that. <laughs> him getting him getting fired. He was yeah. like, met I don't at remember the him having a winning because he was fired. Like he got off the plane, the team was fired. was fired at the airport. Yeah. And he had, what I saw, you had a three and two record. And was that a, before or after the Raiders? Because was it, was he after. like flirt? It was after. Because the, the only thing I, I couldn't remember the timeline, I was like, was he flirting with the NFL and then had yeah. a bad result? It was, it went Raiders, Tennessee, oh, US, USC. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I got him. Anyways, regardless. Yes. This is totally unprecedented. Which to me, it makes sense when you have, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I understand, you know, you have the Joel Klatz of the world, you know, just having a throwing a hissy fit everywhere they go. Although they're also telling on themselves because they don't. Yeah. He, Wells is five and three, but what's his overall record? What's his big 12 record? What's his record against power five opponents? Like 
you can throw this big fit, but you're also telling on yourself, you know, showing that you don't really know what's going on because it is unprecedented, but he should have been fired, you know, last December. <laughs> I mean, I think me and you talked about how many coaches get to that point that Wells was where, you know, us at Red Raider Sports had articles written, you know, about what, you know, what doomed Wells, well, you know, like, here's the candidates, like what coach recovers from that? I just don't think there are that many. Agree. I mean, and that's, yeah, to that point, we're, we're five and three and he gets fired. Yeah. I think that's part of it. And I don't, you know, the outside I'm number one, I'm surprised there wasn't more kind of backlash against tech yeah. for firing him. I mean, there was some, I, I thought there'd be way more. And then I also don't, I don't really blame those, quasi lazy takes because of the unprecedented nature of it yeah and so uh yeah I, and to, but, it, but when you look on the surface, i mean i i like it i on you know i really like it because i i complain to you all the time about how i i think the whole system is flawed yeah I, like wins and losses is just such a bad way to measure candidates and like whether to fire and hire someone it's just i know it's the easiest thing to do and it's like what matters to fans, but like whether or not Devin Drew commits that personal foul is not a huge <laughs> indicator of Wells' ability to coach. Yeah. It's just not. And, um, but, and I'm not, so I guess my point is I'm just glad that we, you know, this move, making this move indicates like that we are, aren't that married to the concept of, well, you know, Wells winning seven games. Okay. You know, bring him back. Yeah. Means, you know, so yeah, I, I I'm encouraged by that. It's almost like we all knew that the ceiling to this thing was probably like six wins, like six or seven. Like, I think we all, we've unfortunately came to that realization. And I think you would have been, you know, you're right. There hasn't been too many people, you know, tearing their clothes and gnashing their teeth, but it does seem, I think it would have been worse in December, like, coming off of the COVID year, I think people would have lost their minds. Like, how are you firing a coach on based on a year, an unprecedented year? So it's almost like you may have gotten a little bit of grace there. You know, you gave him another shot and it wasn't any better. And I think, yeah. And I think um, there was maybe some even logic. And of course, at the time you make that decision though, back in December, we didn't really have that great of an idea of what this team would look like. And uh, so um, but based on the, the roster that we had and the fact that we are, we were, uh, you know, five and two with a up by two touchdowns to go six and two. I mean, the, the, the team we assembled was capable of having a successful season. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, the, the results in those two games, which, you know, you can quote our coaches as saying was unexplainable. I think that was just an, an indicator of, you know, with a, maybe the best roster he could put together to have those results. I just don't know. You know, I think that was enough for obviously for, for most people and for the decision makers to move on. Yeah. And it was almost good call. It was almost the way that the Kansas state game happened was just perfect. If you wanted to make a move, I mean, it was, you know, Everything that people had complained about up until that point about Matt Wells almost kind of, you know, it was a culmination of all of that into an embarrassing loss to a Kansas State team who you had no business losing to at home after a couple other home defeats and then, a, you know, an almost home defeat to SFA. It was almost just a, 
a perfect, just perfect ending to, you know, pretty unsuccessful tenure. Um, but a I guess total we can, disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I guess no unsuccessful is being when, nice. When you're fired with a five and three record in your yeah. third year, you, your tenure was a total and epic disaster. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a much more appropriate way to put it. And it's, and we texted a little about this when Wells was hired, obviously there was a ton of backlash. And so, and I, you know, and I texted kind of tongue in cheek, but I was like, I guess all those people were right. But, but then you kind of countered me and said like, ultimately they were right, but their process may have not been correct. And so I, I think, I think that's an interesting way to look at this is because Wells was not successful and a ton of people called it, but I'm not sure that like they called it for the right reasons. And I don't know if you can take anything from that into the next coaching search. Like I, I, I almost, agree. I don't, I don't think, yeah. I mean, I, to the, to the extent the question is whether someone who called it back in 2018 would have the ability to predict the next coach's success. I don't, I wouldn't think that they would. Yeah. I, I think the big, the bottom line is whoever we hired, given, given our situation, um, whoever we would have hired in 2018 would have had a very difficult task of having a quote unquote successful tenure. Yes. And so yeah, I think well, it, I easy, agree. it was yeah. easy to call that shot, to call that shot. And yeah, I mean, yeah. if you'd ask me and I think I'm on the record on Red Raider sports consistently saying, I didn't think it would work out. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, um, that doesn't mean I feel confident in myself saying that uh, Jeff Trailer or Sonny Dykes or so-and-so would work out. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. It was a tough situation and he didn't give do himself any favors. No. Literally. I mean, almost everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. So, yes. it so it's like, not like I'm excusing him on, on one hand, uh, it was a tough spot. And then we, it was from there, every button we pushed was incorrect. Almost. Yeah. It was almost uncanny. Like, and you almost, and we've talked about it before, but it's almost, it was kind of a, an inconsistency in the types of decision or the, how you were going to make decisions led to that. Some of it was just bad luck. You know, it was, it was just a, it was just a combination of a ton of different just well, elements. So what's the most important position? Quarterback. What signing classes our quarterback room right now? What signing classes did we get them in? 2020? Yeah. 2021? Almost every single one of them? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's not a recipe for success. I wouldn't say, I mean, he didn't inherit a, a good quarterback room. Yeah. He didn't do enough to fix it. No. And he, and maybe he could have with Chuck, but then he gets hurt. So yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that part was like, it, it would have taken a really, really, really good coach with some good luck to overcome that in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I basically said he had to be Matt Campbell. And the chances of him being Matt Campbell are just incredibly low. Like that's, that's just the reality of it. And it's almost, you know, I guess, and we can move on to some of the questions and comments from Rotary Sports, but it, as we look into candidates, but it's almost like we we're looking for the same thing again. And so I guess if you, if you were to predict that this was going to be a bad hire, you'd, you'd be on the right side of the odds again because of maybe. the situation. I, maybe. I think um, given our conference schedule, yeah, potentially for this next coach, he's that that alone. If, you, if we're not going to be playing OU and UT, that's he, that, that's going to be in his favor in terms yeah. of being a successful hire. So yeah. I think we're and and you know I was thinking about like 
maybe to some extent, does it work out for the best? Because some of the guys we could have hired in 2018, at least one, Sonny Dykes, um, you know, maybe he wouldn't have worked if we hired him in 2018. Whereas if we hire him now, we, he might have a better chance of working. He's going to have a better quarterback room for sure. We're going to have a, in all likelihood, an easier schedule moving forward. Um, And probably I would think he would have more support, um, you know, financially or just from fan base now than if he would have been hired in 2018 since since he's had such a successful couple of years at SMU. So maybe, you know, maybe it worked out for the best if that's the route we go. Yeah. And I guess that's, if you just look at the pool of candidates between now and when Wells was hired, I almost feel like you could just draw out of a hat out of the ones that we seem to be linked to, you know, the trailers, the dykes. It seems like you pick one of those out of a hat. I'd like better than Neil Brown, Matt Wells, Seth Luttrell, any of the ones from Jim Leavitt, Levitt, whatever, (laughs) any of those. I like them, you know, these two better than those. So maybe it just comes down to that. Um, But we can get to the questions here. So Jacob from Red Raider Sports, he asked, outside of myself and Scott Abel, and I don't even know, is it Abel, 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 do you know? I think it's Abel. All right. Give me the best outside the box hire we could make. But he's, I mean, he's taking the words out of your mouth with Scott Abel. Yeah, and I, I don't know how he found that name. That's a guy I've been fascinated with for a long time. He's, he's the Davidson head coach, He's right? the head coach at Davidson. Which, who think- knew they even played football? And they, yeah, they're in a conference now. They haven't always been, but they're in a, a league that does not offer scholarships. So they're FCS, but they're one of very few that doesn't. But they were, it was just a terrible program. I think they'd lost like 15 straight games. He runs a incredibly unique triple option offense. And yeah. it's, um, it's like out of shotgun. Um, it's, they, they throw the ball a lot, but, um, so I don't know. It's funny that he references that guy because I have <laughs> always, or I've followed him, um, for some time. And I think that would almost be my answer, uh, <laughs> in terms of a way outside the box hire. Yeah. Um, cause again, and, and I don't know if he hire, I would like to see him have a chance of having an input on an offense, but, um, a, another legitimate answer I'm struggling to think, you know, I think someone even else farther down references, uh, Moorhead at Oregon, who's all, has had some successful offenses. That's, I was hoping he would be at least interviewed when we hired Wells. I love his offense. Yeah, it, but it's – I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about outside-the-box hires because I think we're pretty dialed in. on. Yeah. On Claire – Matt Claire from Runner Sports, he sent that Drew uh, – Sava, it's like his name's – Savoda. Savoda, Savoda, whatever. Um, that's interesting to me. He's special teams coordinator and tight ends coach at Alabama – and he's got, you know, huge ties to Texas, um, both high school and college-wise. So somebody like that, you know, that's kind of – I don't even know, like, if he's an offensive guy, a defensive guy. Um, you know, I guess, obviously, he coaches tight end, so maybe he leans towards offense. But I think he's just like a, a recruiter and like a, a – pro. he's kind of would probably be like a Wells. Like, you would almost be like an overseer head coach. Um, but that, I thought that was an interesting name that Claire brought up. And uh, yeah, to Jake, me, the most important, whoever it is, because it's maybe this is the outside the box guy, but it's the whoever has the best plan for <clears throat> accumulating talent. Yeah. You know, a specific laid out, like we're going to recruit in these areas to get this kind of players. We're going to lean on the portal for this kind of player um, who, who has the most 
thought out and likely to be successful plan should, needs to be who we go hire. I think that's the, that's the task for tech. I think you can pay to get guys that are um, can implement a scheme, but it's identifying the, the, the talent accumulators is more difficult than figuring out who can run a great offense or defense in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a good way to put it. Uh, then he asks uh, biggest concern with trailer, biggest concern with Dykes. For me, it's simple. I think I see Dykes as like the you know, high floor. I don't want to say low ceiling. Like I think he could, he could do well here, but I, I think we know what Sonny Dykes is. And I think we know what he brings to the table. Um, and so that's his big, that's, that's what I like about him, but that's also his concern because I think trailer is almost like door number two, you know, it could be 10 times better. It could be 10 times worse. Um, he's not, I mean, he's proven at the high school level, but I mean, this is only a second year at UTSA. So, you know, that it's new basically. So I think that would be my concern with trailer is, is this just kind of flash in the pan? Is it sustainable? Can he do it at the higher level? And with Dykes, you know, is we just know what we we know what we're gonna get. Yeah, for, so I guess for mine would be going kind of back to the talent accumulation thing. You know, I think Dykes has a very specific pitch at SMU. Yeah, very. it's not something that would translate to tech. No, like, you know, keep keeping Dallas kids at home in Dallas or transfers yeah. that are originally from the area, bringing them back. Yeah, you know, that that doesn't really translate to tech. Yeah, uh, so I don't. You know, how would he? I'm sure he would have a, diff- a different pitch that could could very well work, but I guess my that's my concern is would it work? Yeah. With tra- with trailer, <clears throat> I mean, I, I it's my understanding that he's got expansive ties throughout the state, but I know it's yeah. primarily East Texas, and that's an area where we don't typically get high school guys in mass. We don't we don't do well there recruiting wise. Now, it has seemed like when we get them, they they can be they're pretty good. Yeah. Pete, Pete Robertson, Kiki Kuti. Um, you, you know, there's, there's all kinds of examples, but so that might be with trailer. And then I understand, you know, with trailer having these contacts, but it's not like at UTSA, he's been there for five years and evaluated these guys and brought them in and he's, he's winning with his players, which yeah. that's not necessarily a knock either. You know, yeah. he's, he's winning without his players, but it's not like he's necessarily leveraged those contacts to build a program at UTSA. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, would you rather have the Levy Bryles offense or the Cumbie Kitley Cliff Raid offense moving forward? For me, it's the Levy Bryles. I love that downhill run right at you type scheme. Yeah, same here. I, mean, I think it's been um, the most successful in, in the last 20 years, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked about uh, – Scarbo asked about the offense regression uh, in the second half against K-State. And to me, that's – that's simply just offensive line in Columbia. I think you you became – I mean, some of the offensive grades from PFF, which you take with a grain of salt, but, I mean, were horrendous. I mean, like teams. I mean, we had, one of them was a literal zero in four pass plays. And so you couldn't protect – Columbia had a very bad day. Like he threw one of the best balls I've ever seen him throw to Miles Price down the seam. And then after that, it was just – he couldn't he couldn't hit a target. Or even, I mean, I sent in the text to you, I think. It was like that Sam Darnold moment where he was seeing ghosts. It was like he couldn't he couldn't see an open receiver. It was, it was just like the field was just a big blur to him. And we're going to uh, 
we're going to talk more about the offense. I think later we got maybe have a guest lined up for that, but um, I, I do think it just comes down to that. Your offensive line couldn't protect and your quarterback couldn't make the right reads. Yeah. I think in the second half, I don't think we completed a pass more than two yards downfield in the second Eesh. half. Yeah. Uh, and it was almost like, you know, the issues in the U of H and SFA game with protecting and just um, maybe um, quarterback play being an issue um, never cost us a game. You know, we, we went, you know, four or five games later and I almost kind of forgot about it that, yeah. okay, that, there have been games where our offensive line couldn't block anyone. Um, and, it had, but it hadn't cost us to that point. The two games we lost, it wouldn't have mattered if we'd had an NFL offensive line, you know, against Texas or TCU, we'd have lost that game. And yeah, and then midway through that Kansas State game, I was kind of, I was like, oh, oh man, you know, this, this is a problem that we've had. It's, it's, it's been here the whole time. Yeah. And almost kind of forgot about it. And it, it reared its head, in my opinion. And we were almost, you know, we, we weren't running the ball well at all. And I, and like, of course, Wells defended our running uh, game later on, but it was, you know, we had 80 yards rushing our first two attempts. And from then on, I think we had maybe 20 or 25 or 30 carries of three yards per carry. We were just pounding away at it. Which which was weird. Those first two carries were outside run plays. And then I don't think we went back to that. The rest of it, it was just well, we did. In the biggest moment of the game, we did. On yeah, our, I guess that's On our true. last drive, uh, second and like five or something. And we did a one of those sweeps to Miles Price, and they strung it out. Yeah, and that's true. Blew it up, and then of course a sack on the next play. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just like we were kind of stubbornly going with that, and but we weren't throwing the we weren't blocking either. So it's yeah. uh, maybe there was you know I don't necessarily blame them for wanting to uh, stick with the run. Uh, and if the game wouldn't have you know if we wouldn't have been up, we would have been forced to throw it more might have even played out a little different if it had kind of been a back and forth game as opposed to us wanting to late try to just bleed it out because um, it just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Mr. Lobster 420, uh, he asked about, is there, you think there's going to be a quarterback change? And I would be tempted to um, if I was Cumbie, but I don't, the way he's talked and in, his media sessions, I, I don't think there's going to be. Um, I would like to see Smith play. Like I said, I would like to see him start and just get all the reps. Um, but I don't, I don't see that happening. And then, and if it was happening, it probably got torpedoed with the coaching change. And I think yeah. that one of the first things Cumby said on this press conference was Monday is the install day, <laughs> when he basically just didn't get it, in, didn't do anything. Yeah. So even if maybe that was the intention, it might have got uh, zapped based on what happened. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he plays a lot more Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see that dynamic. I'm just interested to see how – if there's any change in, like, game plan, situation, decisions, all that stuff. I'm, I'm very interested. Um, let's see. I never know how to say this. C to – is it C.T. Alaman or – C Taliban or Cataliban, I don't know, but uh, either way, um, he asked about trailer a lot, and some of them we touched on. Um, but one question he asked is trailer a good coach or feasting on bad football teams? I think that's a fair question to ask of both candidates. The only team with a winning record that SMU has beaten is uh, Abilene Christian, so um, their schedule hasn't been a murderer's row yet. I mean, they will play some better teams, so we'll see. Um, 
Yeah, though, you know, looking at UTSA, uh, and I did, I posted about it, but they have just crushed expectations from the yeah. betting market standpoint. I mean, it, it's impressive, to yeah. say the least. I mean, they beat the average point spread by about 10 points. Um, they've never lost as a favorite. Their coin flip games, which was just so pivotal. Like, that's what decides your tenure at Tech, yeah. is whether or not you're going to win the coin flip games. They've only had three of them, so it's a small sample size, but he's 3-0. and And then the other thing at Tech that can – really turn the tide as if you can win as a four to 10 point underdog, which we can't do at home. For some reason, we've been able to do that under cliff and Wells on the road occasionally, Uh, but he's got a winning record in that spot. And then even when they're supposed to get blasted, you know, 34 point dog to BYU, they lose by a touchdown. They're 21 point dogs to uh, someone else and lose by a touchdown. And in their bowl game, they were 14 point underdogs to Louisiana and lost by, I think eight. So they've, he, he's just at UTSA for whatever reason, the market has been way, way low on, on them or they he's got them. He's got some ability to get, get them to play beyond their capabilities. Yeah. Which that, I mean, I really, to me, that speaks looking at it that way, I guess would speak more to um, other than just looking at win loss records of opponents and then your win loss. Like it'd be interesting to compare those, what Dykes has done at SMU. I, I would think, and I don't think Dykes should be punished for this, but uh, in terms of talent discrepancy, he's probably got a, got a much bigger one week in and week out with, with the exception of a couple games than trailer has had at UTSA. Yeah. And I say, don't punish Dykes because he's got that talent. I mean, he should, should get credit for having, a team that's way better than everyone else in the American. Yeah, that's minus true. Cincinnati. Yeah, and it's just going to get worse. The, the talent discrepancy. Uh, he also uh, he talks about uh, Cumby, and he's he he says like well, basically he's asking like why is the administration hell bent on keeping him around? And I see this a lot on the board, and I don't really understand. Like Cumby is good at what he does. I mean, and he he likes being here. Um, He's a good representative of the university. And like, I like him. So obviously like I'm probably a little biased, but I don't, I don't think you lose anything with keeping Cumby around now that if that gets to like head coach talk again, I mean, it's, I would imagine that tech goes on a pretty good run here in the last four games for that to be the case, but I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping him around. I think he's done a good job. He's turned this offensive round offense around completely. I mean, obviously not last week, but I don't know. I, I, I don't see a problem with keeping him around. And that would certainly complicate things, wouldn't it, if, he, if we win some games? Because I yeah. think I'm surprised at maybe how fast things are getting into motion. And yeah, um, I think by the time – if he does win some games, we will have gone pretty far down the tracks with some of these candidates by that yeah. point. That's something that I'm wondering is like – I, you know, it seems like Kirby and the committee are going to start meeting with, you know, Dykes and trailer. And so if you kind of maybe have an agreement in place and then Cumbie goes four and oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know how those dynamics work, but it's, it's definitely interesting. And it's super unlikely that he does, but not totally out of the question yeah. for him to win two. Um, so I think three and two would be what made it what would make it like super interesting. It, that's just very, very unlikely. And it also might depend on, you know, if you strike out 
on Cumbie. You True. strike out, or sorry, Cumbie trailer. You strike out on Dykes. You strike out on whoever, and then he just might be the best left, you know. And and that's something that the the site will freak out about, and understandably. But I mean, we talk about this a lot. But hiring a coach is just a crapshoot. You know, who knows? And it it may work. It may not. Even you can all you can do is set yourself up in the best position, and then basically just hope you get lucky. Yeah, here's a here's an exercise. Um, let's let's hypothetical. Let's just say we're in a. This is a very closed off like experiment. So I can guarantee you that one candidate has a fifty percent chance of being successful. Okay, however you want to define that. And but that the fans and the donor base and everyone will not like him from the outset. And then the next guy has a 47% chance of being successful and he, and people will be kind of lukewarm about him. And then the third guy has got 45% and everybody will be behind him. 100% gung ho. You will never see a negative tweet in response to a tech football reply or post on, on Twitter with this guy as the coach. Um, which one do you pick? The 45% yeah. with the fan support, because I, I, I margins think that are, would, sl- are slim there. Yeah. But yeah. I just, I just think that that would, I don't know. There's just something about maybe, okay. Cause if you think about it, you hire somebody that the fans like, then, you know, games, we sell more tickets. Home games are louder. You know, maybe we get a, maybe we get a little uh, home field advantage. Maybe more people are donating and we can get that, you know, the football practice facility, or offices, you know, built sooner, fancier, more money is donated. I don't know. I could just see intangibles from the support being enough to push Offset. that coach. I agree. To the I agree 100%. Right? That's what, that's yeah. what I was wondering too. I think, I think what you described would be enough to even close because that gap is so small anyways. Yeah. And I think that's what isn't, in my opinion, when we're talking about these candidates, the difference between them, I think the gap is that small, you know, like when you, like if trailer's better than if trailer has a higher chance of being uh, more successful than Dykes, it's not a big gap, you know, and, and vice versa. You could go down the list. So I, I think that the, what you're saying does close the gap somewhat on that, or maybe even push it ahead. You know, yeah. maybe the, the, the 50% guy due to having zero support is dropped down to 48 and the 45 guy have due to having support is pushed up to 49 or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it'll. It's like like you said. It's the margins are so slim. I mean, like you mentioned it. If if Wells gets Shuck in year one, and does and Shuck doesn't get hurt, what are we talking about right now? Probably not this. You know, like who knows? It's just the margins are just slim on all this stuff. Um, let's see here. We got a question about who would win uh, Ryan eight, three, six, who would have a 10 win season at tech faster trailer or Dykes. And notice his profile picture is a picture of Dykes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Honestly, that would probably be my answer. So on the Dykes versus trailer, you know, trailer has, so he's at high school for a long time. He's in Gilmer and then he gets hired for one year onto Charlie Strong's staff and Strong gets fired. And then he gets on uh, Chad Morris's staff at SMU and then goes over to Arkansas. And then once Morris is fired, 
he's hired by UTSA. <clears throat> Dykes has been in the business, college business coaching for a long, long time. I, I would think from a transfer portal um, standpoint, Dykes probably has more contacts and connections with other coaches. And I think um, I could be wrong, but I think that's what maybe gets you the in in the portal um, as much as anything, yeah. just knowing a lot of people. Um, and so from a faster standpoint, you know, maybe trailer has us better in year five, but in year two, maybe Dykes has a better chance of winning tens for, you know, getting to tens wins faster. I, if that, I, I think, again, I think the margins are super small when we're comparing them, Yeah, <laughs> but um, that's something I've, because I, I, I do wonder that about trailer. He's got a kind of a tight circle uh, from, in terms of college connections yeah. to, to draw on for either staff or knowing about players in the portal. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I think I agree. Um, we, we touched on the quarterback. And Whitlock Safety asked about who would you start for the rest of the season at quarterback, and I kind of said I'd just give it to Smith and, and see what happens. Um, I, I don't know. I uh, Columbia was playing good enough for me to kind of hold off on that opinion, um, but that's, that's how I felt when Chuck first got hurt, and now – I would say you start Smith, and if Shuck wants to come back and is healthy, then give it back to him when he's ready. We'll, we'll know Cumbie's answer. I mean, without question, no, Cumbie is coaching to win these games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm sure that's the case for every coach, but um, we can be absolutely certain that an interim coach facing uphill battles in these games um, is going to be trying to, to do what he can to win. And, and from we've talked about this on prior podcasts, like when we when we when we were comparing Bowman with Columbia, and I, I said I think one time we were playing, I can't remember who it was, but I thought for this team I would I would want Columbia, but for when we play OU the next week I would do Bowman because I think Bowman had a higher ceiling than Columbia, and so whoever we we play whoever we start for these next four games I think we should go with whoever has the highest ceiling. Yeah, now, it maybe may you know Smith Donovan starting Donovan might mean we are more likely to get beat 45 to seven. Um, but it might also mean we have a chance of upsetting higher chance of upsetting these teams. Yeah. Whereas Columbia might cause us to lose by a touchdown to all three of them. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. And I think that's why I lean Donovan is you, you just kind of your variance kind of increases a little bit. Um, Red Raiders to you. Yes. If you were, if you were going to hire a guy, why would it be Kevin Kelly? You know who Kevin Kelly is? Uh, yeah, I talked. I yeah, I actually talked to Kelly quite a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. he's the so, never punt, always yeah, never punt, always onside kick guy. Yeah, and I would. I mean, he he's not. Um, he has no interest in like going somewhere to like run the offense or be a consultant. Even though I think he'd be a great person for that. Yeah, he wants absolute control, and he's at he's got a tough job right now because, like I said, he's at a school. It's he's at Presbyterian. And it's in that they're in the same conference as Davidson. They got smashed by Davidson a couple of weeks ago <laughs> um, where they, you know, he doesn't have scholarships. And so he'll, he plays like in their non-conference FCS schools that do have scholarship guys and they just get smoked yeah. and it's his first year and they're, you know, Presbyterian's terrible and he's obviously doing things unorthodox, but I, he would be a great, he really would be a great fit like in Lubbock. Um, yeah. just kind of his personality. And I think our fans, like if anybody in the country, if, if there's a fan base that would be conditioned to kind of accept how crazy and unorthodox he is, it would be our fans. 
but yeah. even that would still be a, a cuz i mean fourth and 30 he at the 10 yard line he's going for it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it would be it's a lot it's really cool when you're winning but when, you know, even, when, when he took this job he didn't even know if he had a punter like it was a couple <laughs> weeks before the season he was like i don't, I don't know if i have i think he might have transferred so he said i think he might have transferred <laughs> i did see he he did punt the other maybe a few weeks ago um and it was a situation it was like fourth and 45 on his own three or something like it that went like i think it went like 15 yards <laughs> uh he also asked why we suck so bad and that's because of the leech curse obviously um wolf camp raider he asked about the quarterback rotation and like does it affect the rhythm of the offense having a two quarterback system you know he says he's never seen it work well um, and that it seemed risky, especially on the final drive. Um, and I think you, it's people don't do it because it's, it doesn't, it's not ideal, but you have to do it when your quarterback, your starting quarterback has the limitations of Columbia or that, that to me, that's, that's my line of thinking. Yeah. And, and I, I there is a train of thought that, and it makes total sense, you know, a quarterback needs to get in a rhythm. Uh, I, I wonder, is Columbia the kind of guy that is one of those like rhythm passers that just drops back like 60 times? And I don't know if he is, um, yeah. you know, but I think if you could have a different type of like Bowman, like to me, I think Bowman might not handle it as well as Columbia could um, just as an example. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would prefer to have one guy. Yeah. But I, I also like, you know, go to that watch West Virginia game. Um, it was very, very effective. And I think without Smith Donovan and the, I, they only played four or five plays, but they were huge conversions yep. and in the red zone, it's, you know, important to be able to get, pick up third and twos. I mean, that's the name. Yeah. That's what the games come down to. I, I almost would have gone to him more in the second half, just based off the way Columbia looked and how the offensive line was blocking and you were going to run the ball anyway, you might as well have him out there as a threat. Uh, but it'll definitely be interesting, like we talked about earlier, to see how it uh, evolves with uh, Cumby in charge. Um, then we got asked by Hollywood 08, who are your top two or three realistic choices? Uh, and then, yeah, we'll do that first. So who are your top two or three realistic choices? Trailer, Dykes. Yeah. Um, that's really it for me. But before, back to Kevin Kelly real quick, before I forget. Yeah. Um, trailers trailer does it kind of odd he has co-offensive coordinator he's got like a passing game coordinator and a run game coordinator and then he's got co-defensive coordinators but the passing game coordinator is a longtime arkansas high school guy and so if we seem to like narrow in on on him um I'll, i'm gonna get like kind of a long long form thoughts from kevin kelly because he's he went to you know had a lot of battles with uh barry Lo barry lunny is uh the guy's name but i do like what what they do offensively utsa it's just it's simple it's fast like they but they it's honestly it's not too dissimilar it doesn't seem like from what cumby does the perception is i hadn't really looked at them that much but i think they like led the country one year they had a running back that had the most yeah. yards yeah i mean um, it so that's physical i like it yeah, there's a perception that they're running it, but I'm looking, they are seventh in the country right now in EPA per pass. Yeah. So and their they, their quarterback right now is like a big, a big dude who will get out and run too. Yeah. Which kind of looks like a guy we have. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And I agree. I mean, I, I think trailer and dykes are pretty obvious, but I do find it interesting that like Billy Napier isn't talked about more. Like his situation is weird. Like, why isn't he the guy taking the LSU job? Um Full option. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, that seems like something that should definitely be considered. Um I don't I think know. His I, offense is too close to the triple option. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's there. There are good candidates out there, and it seems like we're casting a wide net, wider net than last time. And so, uh, I'm encouraged. What assistance would you like us to try at Money Whip, OC, DC top recruiters? I mean, in a perfect world, you figure out a way to get McGuire here with Trailer Dykes. I don't know how realistic that is. I mean. You know, people are very divisive on the word Bryles, but if you hire Art or Kindle, you know, you hope Jeff Levy is attached to that in terms of coordinators. You know, I mean, I think it, it's hard to say coordinator-wise, recruiter-wise, without knowing who the head coach is. But I would like to see, no matter who it is, I would like to see almost what Rule did at Baylor was when he was hired. He was like, all right, who are the top high school coaches that'll make this jump and let's get them here? that type of deal. Oh, no, on, tra- on trailer. I know um, when he was in high school, uh, Barry Odom was the coach at Missouri and tried to hire him a couple times. And I think he turned him down. And then there was a thought that at one point when uh, trailer was trying to get jobs and um, that Odom would have been his, you know, he gets fired from Missouri. Odom would have been his defensive coordinator. And then he goes to uh, Arkansas. Right. Yeah. And uh, is now like, one of the most sought after guys. And I think it's paid almost $2 million a year. Yep. My, so number one, I guess my point is uh, trailer probably won't be able to get him, you know, would go to a second choice, but two um, trailer was right on that. If that was the, you know, he obviously identified someone who was going to be successful, yeah, um, which is a good indicator. Uh, it's not like he was trying to hire um, one of our former defense coordinators or something, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Coordinators. I mean, yeah. The ones you said, um, and they won't, I mean, the ones they that Dykes and Trailer currently have, they've yeah, been successful, yeah. That, and that'll be interesting because a big problem that people have with Wells, uh, either retroactively and a few at the time, was that, well, what'd you expect? This is a group of five coach with a group of five staff giving you group of five results. Well. I mean, if you hire Sonny Dykes <laughs> or Jeff Trailer and bring their staff with them, you have that same deal. And so it'll be interesting, maybe not so much with Trailer, but I feel like if you hire Dykes, you're getting his staff. But I don't know that. But it'll just be interesting to see if the dynamic is different just because people may like whoever the new coach is more than they liked Wells. Yeah, and always that, I think that's kind of a weak argument, really. I mean, it's football. Yeah. To, to me, it's, it's a better, a better question is like, are they a fit for the conference? You know, regardless yeah. of where they're, where they're coming from, because the big 12 is unique. Um, it's like, it seems like um, it's like a first mover conference where things yeah. start there and then it like bleeds out into other places. And so like, if you just take someone and like shove them into the big 12, which maybe we did, you know, with Wells um, it, it's, you know, this, there's that double cloud or the, just the way the offenses play, like possessions used to be really important. Well, there, you know, there used to be 20 of them in a game. Now there's yeah, not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I think getting a better fit is more important than just like, Oh, well they're in the, you know, American. So that therefore they're, they can't coach in another league. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I don't, 
you your ski you either have good scheme or you don't and it's to me it's translatable um and then you know and i guess then when you move up to you know group of five to power five then it's can you get the players to run that scheme at the level you need them to be um would be the only difference um before we get out of here what do you what do you think this weekend's gonna look like the game I have no idea i have I, no clue i mean yeah. it's like i said part of me thinks we we lost a very important day <laughs> yeah prep and we're it's we're playing on the road so we're traveling in a, one of these days we're playing you know we're 20 point underdogs they have better players um <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't sound good does it but just the whole i don't even know how to describe it but it's like this does it's it wouldn't surprise me if we play well and you, you know, I don't know if they're like playing for Wells. There's some added kind of edge just because of what happened. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that, maybe that wears out. Like we only see it this weekend, like some kind yeah. of heroic, like superhuman effort. Or um, almost like there's been so much noise. We kind of just get to get out of the noise and play for a few hours. And, you know, you almost, you, you I, you almost think that like there was maybe some pressure with the players. Like they, they're not dumb. They knew like, if we don't perform well, our coach is going to get fired. Like, I think they knew that. I think they were prepared for that. And now you don't have that anymore. It's almost house money. Like, I mean, I'm sure they want to go to a bowl game, but I don't know. It's just, I think you might see a looser team playing with no pressure. I mean, the only thing that makes me a little go back on that opinion a little bit is just that, I feel like this is kind of a job interview for Cumbie, whether it be here or somewhere else. And so I don't know if he's going to just, you know, go Kevin Kelly on it and never punt and kick onside kicks and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see that balance for him. Yeah. That, and OU, I mean, they have some warts. Oh yeah. They almost lost to Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking for so their defense, their EPA per pass allowed is 127th in the country. And then EPA per rush is fifth in the country. Yeah, which is not ideal for us. I, no. I have a little more confidence in our um, running game. They also have some good pass rushers. Yes, yeah, which is problematic. You know, we, we probably don't as as much as they're maybe. I don't know if they're. If it, it's fair to say they're weak or a vulnerable OU team. I, I wouldn't go that far, but um, if they are, it doesn't look like our strengths match up well with their weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. That, I just, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea what to expect. I, mean, I, I agree with the line. The line is implying we have a 11% chance of winning. I think yeah, that's yeah. what I've had. You know, I've been plugging in those numbers all year. That's what I've been giving us. I think that's right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just, it's going to be wild. And it's the last thing on anybody's mind, which is crazy. You're going to play a top five team and nobody really cares. Um, but it'll definitely, I mean, I would just, I was just so beaten down by the narratives surrounding the game or the team wells. It'll be nice just to like on Saturday, like Holy root for the red Raiders. Like I want Cumbie to win. I want, like, I just want good things to happen. And I, I don't know. I, I was talking about the players having some pressure lifted. I almost feel like there's a weight off my shoulders. Like I can just freely root. I don't have to worry about what this means for the direction of the program. Like who cares? Like I'm just, I'm just ready to like enjoy, hopefully enjoy a football game. So. Yeah. And I think more so, yeah. For the home games too. Yeah. And I think that led to 
like I, I mentioned it earlier, um, I think part of this, part of what went into this, even if it was just a tiny, tiny bit, was not having to deal with just so much negativity for the last four weeks of the season from yeah. the fan base. Yeah, or, you know, it would have been bad. Warranted or not, it was it was going to happen. Yep. And now it probably won't. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I really want these players to get to a bowl game. I want them to figure out to win one more and get to go play and, you know, whatever bowl it is. Um, they deserve that. And extra practices would be nice. So, I don't know. We got a lot. I mean, who knows? Who coach, because that's if you make a bowl, people are going to be going off the train quick. I mean, if you if a coach has an opportunity to go somewhere, yeah, probably gonna get it. They're, they're it will be. Go. If you make a bowl game, things will get me and you might be on the sideline. <laughs> things can be crazy. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting. And who knows? We, we'll record next week and we may have no news between now and then. So it's going to be a weird few weeks, um, but we'll be back uh, hopefully talking about, I don't know, maybe a win, maybe some leads on coaches, some rumors. There's no telling. Um, but that's all I got. You got anything else? I don't think so. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>